people. Welcome to the podcast. This is uh, uh, the podcast from CMC about uh, you know rope and rescue topics. So today we are going to discuss what we do with our belay line when using an Arizona Vortex. Do we put it uh, high through the Vortex uh, along with our main line or our second line? Do we run it low along the along the ground? Uh, or do we do something in between? So one of the m- more popular uh, in between ways of dealing with a belay line is to uh, suspend it temporarily from an Aztec kit uh, from the Arizona Vortex. So we've got uh, Doug McElmurray, Leroy Harbach, Wayne Chapman, and John McKentley uh, joining us. And we are going to uh, roundtable what we're going to do with our belay line. So, um, you know, it's pretty pretty uh you know hot topic if you ask three different people you'll get three different answers probably um sometimes you'll get the terrible answer of it depends uh, oh, let's, that, uh, that was the one i was gonna go with i, I, stole, <laughs> I, I stole it from you it, it depends <laughs> so that was the option four or option uh 3b maybe but uh so you know each one i think has a place you know they've each got a uh their benefits so uh like just spitballing it like just we'll just uh shoot it out there and get everybody's take on it and then uh go around the room and discuss it but uh so doug uh high low or in an aztec what are you thinking uh, i think the aztec gives you the most uh flexibility and some of the biggest advantages with uh shock absorption all right well uh doug co- goes for flexibility and shock absorption all right uh leroy what do you think it depends all right, it's an excellent answer. I'm uh, <laughs> just, just kidding. It's a terrible answer. What do you what do you what do you really think? <laughs> okay, no, um, I I honestly think it depends on what kind of system you're running. If you're running a twin tension system, then yeah. you take them then you take them both high. If you're running a tension main slack belay for whatever reason, then one high, one low. Um, although I'm not adverse to using that Aztec as a transition event. If you're running the belay line on the ground, okay, yep, yeah, I'm. Uh, I can see the benefit of that. Uh, Wayne, uh, shooting from the hip right away, uh, high, low, or uh, through an Aztec or something else. Well, I learned initially, you know, belay through an Aztec, but I've switched over to uh, both high. Okay, uh, cool. So uh, Wayne is both high. I'm going to circle back around all these and we'll uh, we'll talk about them. John, what uh, what do you think? Uh, kind of opposite of Wayne. I, I learned um, belay low or belay not through the, the high direction at all. I kind of like the Aztec thing, except for the fact that it adds a level of complexity and equipment in there that I would like to uh, leave out or can cause you problems. I mean, I think it's good for getting the rope off the ground when the load is further down. But um, as far as the transitioning, I'd I think nowadays I'm going for the Aztec. Wow, interesting. I, w- I would not have assumed uh, as many Aztecs. So my uh, my thoughts on it, and, and at least where I work, uh, is we, we always have the belay line down low to the ground, and I tell them to make an edge transition that would not make for uh, cool pictures. Like I want the basket just you know barely off the ground and over the edge, and then the attendant can get over it. Um, for me, I don't see the... I don't know. I just don't think it's, uh, there's a reason to have the basket four feet off the ground, uh, when you're transitioning the edge. If you, if you look at some of those tests that were done and what the tests we're talking about are the, uh, 2005 Iders presentation or 2007 Iders presentation. It was the 2005 tests presented at 2007 Iders by, uh, Reed Thorne from Ropes at Rescue. Um, those tests, you know, definitely show, uh, that a belay line independent of the vortex is, you know, will create a massive length fall. But I also see a basket that's four feet off the ground in those pictures and tests. So I, I you know, but for me, uh, you know, belay line low at work anyways, belay line low and just look like you're scared going over the edge. I mean, it, it makes for, you know, not very cool pictures, but it makes for a really safe edge transition. Um, so, you know, if, if you want to run both lines high, I, you know, I, I don't know. Are there are there any situations where you wouldn't want to run both lines high? Anybody got any uh, take on that? Like, uh, 
Uh, Wayne, you said both lines high. Is there any situations where you wouldn't want them both high? Well, I mean, I, again, I, I look, talking in a little bit more depth here on the topic, obviously, if you can keep the litter low or slide vertically for the transition, then switch to horizontal and drop the, you know, get rid of the drop altogether. That's one yeah. thing. But yeah. what we see people do is the, you know, they bring the load of foot or two or three off the ground, right? Yeah. Get their attendant out, spin around and go down or as they come up, right? Yep. So my thought process has always been because that's what people tend to do, right? Is if you have a failure of the main line or the high point, you're going for a ride regardless of where the belay line is at that particular point. Definitely. Right? And I guess I should back up a little bit and say that. Like, what what are we actually trying to uh, prevent? Like, what are we accounting for? A, you know, the, the two uh, mains are the or main topics are the uh, failure of the high directional. You know, are, are we are we worried about the vortex failing? Does the Aztec or belay line high or low save that? Or are we worried about a failure of our main line? You know, does a high, low, or through an Aztec save that? So, no, yeah. you're right. I, sh- I should have uh, I should have highlighted that right. a little bit better. So I think it goes even deeper than that, right? You look at Kirk Mothra's recent testing of, uh, uh, you know, sharp edges and all that stuff. Um, obviously, if you have one high, one low, and you have a failure of one, you basically have a scenario where it's a single loaded line hitting that sharp edge. So. Yep. Um, and, and again, there's, there's again, like I've said in previous podcasts, never say never, never say always. I've come to do both high, um, but I would, you know, or both high. And if you're worried about the vortex, you know, over a long haul, lower them both to the ground, yeah. <laughs> lower the main and the belay to the ground. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, which is. You know, I was going to get to it later, but it's ma- that's made much easier by a twin tension system. So, right. you know, if, yep. if you do have a dedicated main, dedicated belay, you know, Leroy said one up, one down. I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, but a twin tension system, whether you're using MPDs, clutches, IDs, whatever, uh, definitely allows you the ability to bounce back and forth. Um, you know, when I uh, teach not for the department I work for, you know, personally, I, you know, I. I'm okay. Uh, my personal belief is that if the vortex is lashed down, guide down, bolted down, whatever, but then I just put both lines up high and just uh, eliminate the complexity. Like John said, you know, like there's, you're adding a lot of extra equipment and people and movements into a system. Well, um, now let me ask about that because like, you know, Wayne said, if you're worried about the vortex, then run them both low. But once the loads, in my opinion, once the loads over the side and moving, no matter which way it's going, it could be coming up, it could be going down. Generally, the vortex is instable and nothing's going to happen. If the vortex is going to tip, it's going to be during the edge transition going down or going up. And uh, once the load's way down the line, the further the rope's out, the less effect it has on that high directional moving out and doing anything. I mean, assuming they, you know, that the litter tender is going down the fall line and not being crazy about it, you know. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I, I think that's, uh, I think that's right. Um, yeah, I think once you're, yeah, once you're over the edge, then it's not a, uh, you know, it's going to be a non-issue unless you're doing some sort of track and line operation. Then, you know, obviously that uh, front component vector is changing and going to cause a resultant change. But for uh, for those that said uh, through the Aztec, you know, we we would uh, you know put a carabiner or pulley on the bottom of it. Uh, Doug, you mentioned uh, right before we got fired up and recording about the. Uh, you know, seeing some some change from a carabiner to pulley on the bottom of an Aztec. Yeah, I, I think really it, it, it kind of depends what are you trying to do. You know, the, obviously the carabiner is going to give you a little added friction. And, you know, if you're worried about a drop, uh, you're going to have some some added uh, weight being taken up by that. Uh, however, if you're once you lower it down and put the pulley on the bottom, you have built an edge pro, at, uh, you know, right at the edge. So I think there's, you know, advantages and disadvantages either way. I think you really have to look at the, you know, at your situation, at your scenario, and you know, what are you dealing with? Yeah, I agree. Uh, interestingly, looking at the videos from the uh, 2007 Eiders presentation, you know, it was, uh, you know, suggested that the carabiner on the bottom uh, prevents the impact force from hitting the belay anchor. And uh, which was interesting to me because the force has to go somewhere like you're I, th- I think that force ends up on the uh, rescuer at that point, which mm-hmm. doesn't seem like the the greater of the two uh, options, you know, be it the belay anchor or the uh, or the attendant. I'd, I'd rather put it on the belay anchor. And 
like if we're that worried about our belay anchor, you know, is is that a is that a great belay anchor, anyways? <laughs> so well, I, and yeah, and then the the 2012 testing actually does a nice job of showing how much force was was run through that Aztec too, and you know the difference between utilizing the blue and the orange uh, prusik, and there's pretty substantial differences in the uh, in the loads that the, that it encounters. There were, and that, that those were the tests were also on uh, Tom Penley's site, the uh, uh, DesertRescue.com. dot com. Um, yeah, th- I don't remember. Where, do you know if any of the tests were run through a pulley, or was it all through carabiner? No, they were all carabiners. If okay. I re- if I recall correctly, I think everything was carabiners, but the forces were definitely different depending yeah. on which of the Aztec uh, press cords were pinned. And now mm-hmm. that's a function of. Uh, the shock absorption of the uh, eight mil cordage sliding through the process. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. Exactly. Which there was some pretty good glazing. Yeah. Yep. Hey, yeah. Just definitely. for the benefit of the people that haven't read those reports. Yep. And uh, I know this is a, a purely audio podcast, so they don't see it, but maybe we should explain exactly what you're talking about when you say the carabiner on the bottom and the pulley on the bottom and, and some of that sort of thing. Cause if you haven't seen it, um, yeah, they may not understand what you're talking about. No, no you're right. So, um, yeah, good, good point, John. So, uh, the belay line, instead of being run through a pulley at the head of the vortex, uh, would be suspended on the bottom of an Aztec kit that's raised or lowered, you know, equal with the yoke knot, double long tail bowline, double butterfly, you know, two figure eights, whatever you got, uh, to keep the belay line you know, just supported, but just even with that yoke knot. So, you know, at the bottom of an Aztec kit, you got your orange pulley up at the blue head, you got of the vortex, you've got your blue pulley down low. Uh, and on that Omni swivel, you would either have a carabiner only or a carabiner and a, a pulley and your belay line would run through either the carabiner, you know, just the carabiner or through the pulley. Um, and it's lowered, Again, even with the yoke knot, if you can keep it that way. Um, and then the next question is, and I, you know, I, I haven't done that in a long time. Does the belay line go all the way to the ground and rest on some edge pro or does it hover an inch or two off the ground? Like what's the slightly off the ground? All right. So, so it, it, it replaces or, uh, helps the edge pro by getting, um, the rope's not mm-hmm. in edge pro necessarily. It depends on the, the edge and everything like that, but right. it's largely supported by the Aztec and the Vortex. Right. Would you would you still yeah. support, would you still uh, provide edge protection? Yeah, I think it's really things? important. Yeah, it's really important that you, you put edge pro because especially if you switch to a haul system, that Aztec and that pulley is going to swing back. Yeah. And now that rope is going to be directly against the edge. So it, I think it's critical you have edge pro there. I think so too. I mean, we're, we're still accounting for a failure of something, but it, you know, I, I would think that you would want to edge bro it as you normally would, like whether yeah. you had a vortex or not would be my uh, thought. Um, oh, Kelly, one thing that's interesting about the tests that were done out here in, in Glendale, Arizona is the drops were done within the footprint of the vortex. In other words, essentially a tripod type of a look. Yeah, the 2012 the, test you're talking about. Right. Yeah. If the load is out front, I've always been concerned that a carabiner, right, is the lo- as the main fails and the uh, belay grabs the load, the carabiner can't slide, so it may creep forward, thus upsetting the resultant of the vortex, whereas if it was a pulley, it would slide through and may not upset the resultant of the vortex. It would be I, an interesting test to do. I totally agree, and when I was doing my uh, research to talk on this podcast i've had that thought as well for quite a while i started thinking like you know what damn man like i i know i'm i'm just talked myself into doing some testing um because (laughs) i i I believe that too and i think what's interesting in both of those tests the 2005 tests and the 2012 tests that we're talking about here it was like only with a an aztec in its shortest configuration like right at the you know Mm -hmm. a 10 inches tippy toeing over the edge Part. Like there was no testing when the Aztec was lowered, you know, just an inch or two off the ground with, you know, 
a hundred feet of rope in service. And, and I think it's worse the more rope you have in service from your anchor to your vortex. Like if you're, you know, mm-hmm. if your anchor is 50 feet back from the edge, I, I think that's going to be a, I do think the running of the rope is going to, especially through a carabiner is going to drag that Aztec forward of the legs yep. Uh, yep. And, and, and pull that thing forward. But you're right. It, it hasn't been tested. And like, uh, I need to find a, uh, a vortex at work that uh, I'm, I'm willing to throw over the edge of a building accidentally. So I think that, that's uh, the other thing is it's back to how much loads on that belay line. If the belay line doesn't have a lot of load, it's not going to drag as much. But if the belay line starts to come into more in the twin tension direction, it, it's going to have more load. It's going to be friction on the carabiner. It's going to be harder for the people to pull up. Not yeah. a big deal going down. Mm-hmm. No, but I, I'd be curious to see, you know, a long lower twin tension through a carabiner, like how how much that carabiner gets drugged forward before it resets itself back to the the result yeah. that it wants. We've to be all at. seen this in classes where you know you, you want to change a fall line real quick and you throw a uh, you know piece of cordelette and a carabiner just to make a, a minor deflection, and we see that carabiner move around. Sure, yeah, absolutely. You know? Yep. I, yeah, it, that's a. Uh, I definitely think it would be an interesting test. I, I do. Uh, I did jot some notes down on that. I, I definitely think I talked myself into, you know, trying to toss a vortex off of a building. So, so um, there's a good reason to have a steel carabiner, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or, or just run it high both of the all the time. <laughs> Solves that problem. Uh, I do think there's a. It's so I did some looking online. I was just looking at pictures of uh, different. Uh, major websites, I guess, in the rope industry. Uh, and even the people that advocate for this heavily, uh, you see it operated uh, incorrectly, I'll call it. You know, th- that carabiner or pulley is not following the yoke knot. Um, you know, thereby, I, I just, I don't think the uh, the uh, the squeeze is worth the juice. Is that the, the right term? Like, I, th- I think it's too much work for not enough benefit. Uh, particularly when it comes to uh, ding-dong firemen that you may work with. Not me, of course. I work with a bunch of all-stars. But the, I mean, you, do, you, go, you go to war with the army you have, not the army you want, right? Like you, you got to account for that lowest common denominator. And if that guy can't operate an Aztec, you know, not in a belay, just regularly, like I, doing it in a belay system, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, it's funny, Kelly. You, you bring up this lowest common denominator issue, and the one – thing that I've seen more often in classes when you run the main high and the belay low is a transition back up with the paradoxical motion where you say up on belay down on main and the guys go what yeah, yeah. they don't understand <laughs> you, once they do it they go oh I see what you're talking about sure but they yeah. don't understand they're going wait a minute that it, it, it's you know so that can be very hard for, and again you're talking about a classroom environment versus a your department you know a trained group of people so again there's that separation it, there is um and you know like everything else it's a i suppose it's just a matter of training um i i found it interesting that we would you know the, the supposition is that somebody you know is you know rigged a rack wrong or an mpd wrong i mean that that's why we would run our belay line through an Aztec, right? I mean, am I, am I off base there? Like, uh, if the vortex topples, it doesn't matter what it's through. Like you're, you're going it's for a ride, down. Yeah. <clears throat> but if somebody misoperates the, the lowering device, the initial lowering device, you can protect against that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one other kind of one thing we haven't talked about, and you know, you mentioned the, the vortex toppling and, and we will be able to identify with this. We have a, a large, uh, lakefront, that uh, along Lake Michigan, that basically is extremely unstable soil, and the, the lake is doing everything it can do to try to reclaim land sure. uh, along there. So we have a very you know, miles and miles and miles of very unstable edges where it's actually undercut, very unstable soil. Uh, you know, so you, no matter what, if you use an Aztec down there, you have to back it up from the edge, which you know now already cuts down on its effectiveness. Sure, but. <laughs> All of a sudden, you know, it could decide to uh, that lake bank could decide to let loose, and the whole Aztec now goes down. Um, Aztec, or, oh. yeah, we've actually seen yeah. it with the vortex chunking off like three foot thick chunks of clay, eight or nine feet back, and just literally cut in and 
take the whole edge off. Mm-hmm. Oh, holy cow. So, I mean, you're, you're definitely, so not just toppling, but just the, the ground underneath the vortex uh, given way, huh? That was yeah, the biggest, one of our, yeah. Yep, that was one of our biggest concerns out when I was in Southern California as a firefighter was the ground was so dry that we teach you guys, hey, put your outrigger pads out if you have to do something to disperse that load because sure. you are putting a tremendous amount of weight in a very small spot. You break that cliff piece right off. Man, it's it's interesting to talk to people with such different perspectives. Like I I don't have that, you know. I I jam a raptor foot into you know in the dirt and uh, you know the the park we have running through the middle of town, but uh, other. Other than that, I'm I'm not breaking off you know cliff edges. It's uh, yeah. those are interesting yeah. considerations. It's a different climate. Yeah. Well, and it's and it is one of those things that you know the, it turns into the gravitational pull of your rescuer's head exceeds sure. that of the Earth at that point in time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But but circling back around, if we trust a guy to set up a vort like an artificial high directional and run a rope rescue system can't we trust them to also rig a device properly? Like I, th- I think the argument for, you know, a device being rigged improperly as the, you know, the, I just think that's a, I don't know, has the time come and gone for that idea because we're not, you know, I, I don't think, know, are a lot of teams I, I think the whole with a lot of effort into these abstract ideas that really never happened. We spent an awful lot of time thinking, what if I'm to death? Well, I've, yeah. I've, I've seen that happen, though, whereas uh, to, to set up the artificial high directional, there's usually multiple people involved, you know, getting it to the edge and everything like that. So that's just that many more eyes that are checking everything. Sure. But the people at the back that are rigging the lowering system, if that's the case, they might be only one of them or something. And we had a situation once where the device was rigged correctly. It was an MPD. But, you know, you have to pull on the MPD. You have to give it a jerk to make sure it latches because sure. rope will travel through if it doesn't have a load on it like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, in this particular case, it was set up with a high directional, and it was a, a fairly soft edge. It wasn't a matter of the edge coming off. But the the person going over the side, he hooked into it and didn't realize that it, it hadn't been, been jerked, if you will. And he kept moving. And, of course, finally it stopped. But um, it, it it's... It may not. It may not be the the bad rigging. It may be this is the first load you put on that anchor, and uh, the, the anchor gives way or something's wrong with that too. Aside from just rigging the the lowering device. Not f- fair point. Uh, um, no, I, I dig that. I think the uh, again another uh, plus for the twin tension for me is the you know the positive checking of your uh, main and belay line simultaneously. Uh, but no, I, that's that's a good consideration. Like I. You know, I would, uh, you know, in my mind when I was formulating the argument, it's just the, you know, what the heck, like we're smart enough to set up a vortex and operate this, but not smart enough to, to rig properly. But, but you're right. People misuse, uh, friction devices, uh, you know, all the time. Um, but maybe if I could interject something, yeah. too, I think kind of, kind of going back to Leroy's initial, you know, answer, it depends. Sure. I, th- I think uh, a good spot for the it depends argument with running both high, like in an industrial setting where you may not have a, you know, a big, a big beam or a piece of angle iron above you to, to run, you know, a high directional. But you're going to use an Aztec or excuse me, a, a vortex. But there where you, I mean, you've got a bomber floor underneath you, whether it be, you know, precast concrete, you know, steel, whatever. There's sure. no way that 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 vortex is going to tip or let loose like it would on a lakefront. And and you're you're going off of bomber anchors and back. Yeah, I think you'd almost be foolish not to run both high in that kind of scenario and keep it simple. And, yeah, you know we've done like I said you know in some of the areas in our in my old first duo district. I mean that's the way we rigged like in our power plant and stuff like that. We did run both high there, but if we were out in the lakefront or something like that, then we would definitely utilize that Aztec. Sure. So, so it, it comes more to like you know analyzing the. Uh, the environment you're in, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, maybe it's not appropriate all the time. I def, you know, in, in, in my world, in a big city, like, you know, almost without exception, everything is bomb proof. You know, the, when I, when I do the door text, like it's, it's bomb proof, you know, like the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the header's bomb proof. The, the legs aren't going anywhere. Like it's, it's fine. But yeah, I guess my, uh, my lack of, uh, operating, you know, on rescues in those environments, uh, definitely limits my, scope of how i think of that so that's uh i mean i I guess i just need to uh 
find more hurt people in different environments, I guess. <laughs> um, and it's, it's kind of like one of those things too, you know, if, if your only tool is a hammer, then every problem looks like a nail. So that's a, it, yeah, it's, absolutely. It, you know, we've talked to these in some of the other podcasts, how, you know, it's so important to have some tools in your toolbox, be well practiced at them and be able to figure out which tools are the best for you with the equipment you have, the people you have, and, uh, you know, the, the uh, frequency at which you can train and stay proficient. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I know, uh, again, where I work, I've just told them to put a belay line low all the time and that solves, solves most problems for us. Like it, cause I just don't have some of the guys, uh, I wish they would, you know, were a little more into it, but it, it, I think for that, for us, it solves more problems for more people than trying to tell them to run it through an Aztec or, or, uh, just run them both up high. Like my, my personal belief is I'll put them up high. If the vortex is guide down, if the resultant is what's keeping the vortex in place, run one high and one low. And if it's twin tension and I'm darn certain I need a, you know, I want it up high for the edge transition down low. I'll, I'll just run them both high and then slack one of the two ropes and put it on the ground after that and just, yep. uh, just go with that. But, uh, how many mainline failures, you know, of rigging or, you know, aside from the one John mentioned, which is uh, pretty neat, uh, have we had? Like how many mainline failures at the edge are we having that it's worth adding the complexity? For me, it's it's more complex. The complexity of a an Aztec and, and an extra edge guy. Like has anybody else seen it besides John? Well, I mean, the thing that I saw wasn't really a mainline failure so much as it was um, – it was just kind of that nuance where you needed to make sure the device was latched before you went down there. And sure. um, it, would, it could be similar to somebody putting a rig in the rack and not putting all the bars in until it was loaded, taking some out, you know, one of those sorts of things. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't truly a failure and, and there was no incident on the thing. I mean, there was a little bit of some wide eyes, but um, <laughs> the problem with a lot of these things is that um most rescuers, fire departments, rescue teams, whatever they are, if they have a big failure and it doesn't result in something catastrophic, in other words, an ocean investigation or something like that, we'll probably never hear about it because the natural tendency is look around behind you and kick it under, you know what I mean? Figuratively <laughs> that people are going to go, oh, crap, and uh, what happened here? Now, obviously, some, some agencies are more open about it than others for the benefit yeah. of everybody to learn, but... <laughs> Sure. It happens. I mean, I know people that have had more than one incident of uh, not cutting but de-sheathing main lines by using hard ascenders. And, uh, you know, they're kind of slow learners. Most most of us know about it from the, the <laughs> accounts of others and from the testing that's been done. But there's I know people that are out there that absolutely insist it won't happen to them. And somewhere it's happened to them more than once. They still do it. So. In, in the same day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Well, well that, that's just a, a lack of learning. You know, experience is a thing you get a second after you need it most, right? And the, no. But uh, <laughs> but if you don't learn from it, then uh. you, what what good is it? What good is it being laid upon you? You know. Um. D- does running the like just it in the grand scheme of things, like telling people what whatever whatever method you tell them, you know, one high, one low, both high, or through an Aztec. Does it create confusion for the the average rescuer when it comes to tripods? You know, stepping away from you know the vortex and maybe a an easel a frame or something like that at the edge. Does it does it change when it comes to tripods? Is the confusion has anybody seen confusion there where somebody's like, well, hey, we're going to put our belay line uh, through an Aztec kit on the on the tripod now, which obviously, you know, if you're using like a block and tackle on the tripod, you know, it's fine. The, the forces are within the footprint, but you know, if you put a belay line off a, you know, outside somewhere into an Aztec, obviously that resultant's going to, you know, if you loaded the belay line, that resultant's going to end up outside of the footprint and you're going to be screwed. You're going to topple the tripod. Is that, has anybody seen that happen or anybody try and rig that way? Oh, I've seen it. Uh, I've, I've asked people, Hey, you know, you can find space training. All right. I, Tell them, set up as you would set up. Yeah. And they do that. And I say, you've obviously never done this before. <laughs> yeah. And they kind yeah, of look I, at you because, you know, and all you got to do is put a bag of sand on the end and watch the thing come flying over. And then they, they quickly realize that they've never thought the process through. I think I, Leroy I've and seen, I just saw it two weeks ago. Yeah. You, oh. 
I've seen him do it a number of times, not in a wilderness type or a, a, a rescue situation, or, or excuse me, a rope rescue situation, but in a confined space situation. And lots of times in our classes, when we do the, the ground school of the classroom section about high directionals, we talk about that ahead of time. But even then, I've seen people rig it that way because that's the way they always did it. And some of us learn when we see the thing fall down or start to fall down. It's kind of the same thing as you pull your victim out of the hole and they immediately drag it outside of the chain or the rope <laughs> or whatever and try and tip the tripod over. It doesn't have anything to do with rigging and belay lines, but the the physical forces are the same. And sometimes you just have to, no matter how many times you tell them, they don't learn until you see it happen. Yeah, I mean, that's a... Uh... You know, it's not a bad way to learn, you know, well, unless you're doing it twice in one day, like you said, Leroy, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but, I mean, so it, it takes a little more for some people than others, I suppose, to, uh, to get it. But, you know, I, I've seen it a bunch too. I've, I've seen it in, uh, you know, like videos on YouTube that people have put out. You're like, what, what the yeah. heck are you doing? Like, don't, you know, why are you doing that? You know, right. yeah. but, but you're right. It, you know, I think, uh, you know, working for a company such as CMC, we're pretty fortunate to be able to do a, a fair amount of testing and just being as into it as we are, you know, you get to see a fair amount of testing and know what to look for. And, you know, at this point, I think in my journey of knowledge, like I don't take anything at face value anymore. Like I want to see it uh, and I want right. to know the numbers behind it. Um, and I think that's an important thing for people experienced or not to, to understand like don't don't take anybody's word for it like go go look and like really dig down and be a pain in somebody's butt about it so and that's the uh, you know really the 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 testing with a bunch of rope and service on an aztec kit is something like i am i am itching to do that right now um you know because it didn't you know i've seen this stuff for eh, 15 years now i guess look, looking at a belay line through an aztec kit or, you know, or an Aztec through a carabiner, like, man, it's, I think it's finally time for me to test it. I don't do it, but I'm, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing how it ends up. Um, if uh, Kelly, if we could go back to that, yeah. you know, the tripod with the low blade, high blade and so on. Sure. I know there was a, uh, in a training incident that some of us have seen where they, they well, let's just keep it generic. There was a failure of the AHD, um, <laughs> that uh, they had a ground belay, but there was too much slack in it. Yeah. So you can have everything set up, whether it be high, low, whatever, but if you have too much slack in your belay, yeah. it all comes back to basic skills. In this case, there was, and I believe there was a, a lower leg fracture involved in that because the uh, you know, the slack in the belay was more than the distance to the bottom of the of the confined space. Oh, dang. I've so. <laughs> I've not seen that video. Like well, uh, that, even in general, well, the one that was missing the leg hobble. Yeah, I was just going to yes, say that's yeah. the one mm -hmm. where the where it wasn't hobbled all the way around. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, maybe I have seen that one. Okay. I, yeah. I I think I showed it to you once before. I'm not. Positive. I think yeah. so. I didn't. I didn't know if that, that <laughs> one was uh, out there for the uh, the greater that's world. Right. To, to look Jim, that's why I tried to keep it a little generic there. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Hey, in like, the interest in the interest of, of being generic and everything like that, there's people. <laughs> Thank goodness that some of them have come forward that have videos and uh -huh. showed them to us because I know we people like to look at the videos and we've all seen the ones from all around the world where, you know, high line failures and people catapulting into buildings and whatever, pulling down <laughs> yeah. brick columns with no reinforcing <laughs> steel. Yeah. But uh, if, if the people that are using those videos in their training and properly explain to them this is what's going on and these are the forces and everything like that. There is something to be learned from it. And thank goodness in those videos that we're seeing, there's, you know, they haven't been fatalities or anything, but um, I, I hope that people, um, you know, and, and, and we know some departments have been really good about sharing their mistakes because they had videos of them for the learning, for the benefit of the rest of us. And I hope people keep doing that and, and wish more people would come forward and say, Hey guys, we screwed up. Thank goodness. Nobody was killed. Here's what we did. Don't do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, so, well, it's 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 embarrassing when you do it in front of your own department. It's you know a thousand times more embarrassing to to put it out there in public. But you're right; like we need to learn from it, you know, as a community. But like that that's a that's a hard hump to get over. You know? Oh yeah, I mean, See? the tendency is to bury it, but mm -hmm. you know, other people should learn from your mistakes. And 
we do it on other incidents. We might not do it so much on rope rescues, but, you know, if it's a case of a wildland fire and it, you know, takes over a camp crew or whatever, uh, we certainly hear about it and hear about it and hear about it. And why, why we don't so much for technical rescues um, is kind of a shame. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got to expect it to be happening. Like my, my buddy told me an excellent dad joke the other day, you know, like why, why don't you see elephants hiding in trees? It's because they're so good at it, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, like <laughs> it's a terrible joke, but like, we, you know, maybe it's gotta be happening. We're just hiding it, you know? So, um, what, what are the, uh, what are the minuses? Are there any like uh, pertinent negatives with each system? You know, I, I think the both high, both ropes, high negative, you know, we talked about that. Um, I think the, uh, you know, the edge of the cliff, you know, uh, crumbling underneath your vortex, things like that. I, I can see a negative there. Um, what about the one high, one low? What are the, your, or a negative on the both high other than the, you know, cliff washing away? What's, uh, does anybody have any like super negatives on uh, any of the three high, low or Aztec? Well, well, the one high, one low, you pretty much got to be thinking both when the load's going in and when the load's coming out because yeah. the ropes are actually moving in opposite directions. Sure, yeah. So your operators, regardless of what the device is, and yep. uh, so your edge guys have really got to be paying attention to what's going on. Yeah. If you've got one high and one low, because you figure if you're coming out on your belay and you're taking up on your main, and like you said, you know, try not to get the litter four feet in the air. That's right. kind of the key component there. Um, but to, to get the load in is one thing, you know, and, and we'll just use empty litter and a litter tender going sure. in off of the edge of the cliff. That's relatively easy. It's when the loaded litter is coming back up. Yeah where you're taking up on the belay and you're going down on your main line, making sure your operators understand. Yeah. Cause we've, we've had a couple of pretty exciting things or more exciting than I would like to have seen them. Uh, <laughs> right. We put it that way in <laughs> class. Um, and granted that they weren't so catastrophic that you would, that you'd go, Oh man, you know, they were learning moments. Let me put it to you that way. Yeah, sure. Um, but that might be one of those things that that's, that's probably worth a, uh, a pre-flight briefing, uh, before you go over oh, yeah. the edge, like, Hey, when we come back up, like this is what we're going to do. Even I think a 15 second talk about that would probably, uh, you know, help with that problem. But, you know, in the moment that's, it, you know, it seems unimportant getting over the edge to talk about what's going to happen, you know, 15 minutes from now when you come back up, but right. boy, probably pays big dividends. Uh, again, my, uh, my flaw as a, a rescuer, like mo all of my stuff's down and down, you know, we, we, you know, rarely, we don't ever come back to the top where I'm at. So it's just not necessary in my world. So, but, uh, well, yeah, it's so not, it's not on the lake bank either. If the coast guard's available. No, but it's, <laughs> no, but, but it's still a worthwhile consideration though. You know, like I just, yeah. I don't think about that kind of stuff. I, I should, but you know, unless I'm teaching, I'll, I'll think about it, but, you know, just my general, uh, you know, traipsing down the street kind of thought. I don't, I rarely think about, uh, coming back up over the edge. It's always just down and down. So, um, I, th I think I just need to think about it's it. Sure more, easier, you know? less manpower intensive and everything else. If you can go down, let gravity work for you. But, yep. you know, like a lot of times you can, said, you know, if you've got the, if, if you're going down there to the lake front or the pit of alligators, you've got to go back up. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, uh, no, you're a hundred percent right. Um, and that so usually the, is if, if like the, with the lakefront things, it's, you know, kind of, it's either a situation of, you know, hold my beer and watch this yeah, yeah. or a young kid out playing around or something like that. And it lets, you know, in the edge of the bank lets loose and that's why they're down there to begin with. Sure. So yeah, unfortunately that does mean you're, you're bringing them back up. But one other downside too, not forget the lake bank here. Cause that's a nice soft edge, if you will. It just basically the rope saws into the, uh, into the, the clay sand and dirt. Sure. But think about a hard edge, though. If you're going low, yeah. you've eliminated the edge problem with the main line because it's going through the high directional. But now you really do have to worry about good edge pro and securing that edge pro, especially going down and up with that low, you know, with that low belay. So uh, I think that's a we've added one component back in that normally 
is kind of solved by the high directional. And again, basic skills is usually where we're going to get ourselves hurt. (laughs) That's true. Uh, you know, I know in my world with one low, uh, I, I carpet the edge with, uh, with a sked, like I, we, we called it sketch protection Ooh. when we first did it. And that, <laughs> like, it's a big wide landing zone. I mean, it's slippery as hell when it's mm-hmm. wet, but, uh, like it's, uh, it's, it's a really good wide spot to, to land your, uh, to land your rope. Um, yeah, it, it, that, that one works for me. Any, uh, pertinent negatives with the Aztec kit that would offset the, uh, uh, the pluses of it. Anybody? I think you said it, the coordination. Yeah. You know, it's just it's one added thing in the system. And yeah, it's, you have to, people have to understand that you're lowering it as you go down and you're raising it as, as you're doing that edge transition coming back up and over and not, yeah. you're not raising any higher than you need to either. No, I, I think you're, uh, nope. I think you're right with that. So. Yeah. I uh, said that at the beginning when, you know, I kind of tempered my initial answer on that one is it's another piece of gear. Oh, yeah. It's something else you have to have, and it's something else you have to know how to operate. And now all of a sudden you tell somebody to lower it out, and they don't understand that, you know, the pressure has to be pushed towards the pulley for some reason. They can't get that or whatever <laughs> it is. It's just something else. And then it's somebody up next to the edge that's working there, you know. It's just yeah. somebody else in the way or whatever. It adds a level of complexity, but in a lot of cases it might be worth the trouble. No, I, uh, yeah, I, I guess I can see that. Like I'm, I'm, I don't know. I've gotten so far down my road of one high, one low at work that, uh, it's, you know, I need to open my eyes, uh, to the group, the bigger world, I think sometimes. Uh, but you know, I, I guess I operate, you know, like all of us, we, we operate in our own little, uh, micro environments and what works there is, uh, is what we're comfortable with. So I, I know that's where I'm at with it. Um, Man, I had one other point. I, I guess it was uh, more a stability issue. Like, you know, if the vortex is like rock solid, bolted down, would any is there any negative to running both up high? I mean, hard edge of a building, you know, tap conned into the uh, cornerstone. Has anybody got any issues with <laughs> both up high? None at all. No. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. No. Can't think all of anything. All right. Well, th- I mean. I th- that's going to dovetail in. Uh, we'll tease it for our next podcast, the uh, or one of the next ones coming up is you know what what does it mean to uh, t- to keep a vortex uh, stable? The, <laughs> you know that which will, that'll be an interesting one. Um, gravity. Uh, I mean, yeah, well, gravity's always there, but we can, <laughs> I mean we can uh, we can cheat it. You know, a little we can we can put forces on it that weren't intended uh, or we hadn't anticipated. Um, oh, I remember what it was. Where, where is any of this written? Like, where do we find any of this information about belay high, low, or through an Aztec kit? Like, we talked about the 2005 ITERS tests. We talked about the 2012 tests in uh, Arizona. Um, but the user's manual from both CMC and Rock Exotica make zero mention of the belay line. There's no nothing. So how like how does how does an end user uh, square that? You know, our the CMC rescue rope rescue manual does talk about it. The the rope rescue manual does specifically state keep it independent of the of the vortex. But there's no other like it seems like a pretty b- big hole in the topic, you know. Like uh, always, use two ropes, but here's where one of your ropes runs, and where's the other one run? Like, eh, yeah, I, I like, think we just don't address it. To, you know, it says always, you know, seek competent training, and and you're right. I mean, obviously, Kirk Mofter has his papers where he advocates for both high because sure. of his testing of, of sharp edges. Um, but you're right, there is not a lot of stuff out there. Um, and it could be a liability issue, right? People don't want to say, Hey, look, here's what you're going to do. Cause if it happens, they could say, well, Hey, I followed your instructions and this <laughs> happened. So yeah, totally. That, that's it. It's, it's an interesting, uh, not even a dirty little secret, but that's just an interesting point. Like how, you know, how do you, you know, how do you as a, 
you know, trainer for, you know, CMC teach it? How does, uh, you know, how do you do it with your department? Like I, you know, I do things differently with my fire department where I work than I do when I'm teaching for CMC. Like it's, there's different levels of liability. I mean, if somebody gets injured at work, like, you know, ouch, my ankle, I'm off till Christmas, you know, like that's, it's not a terrible thing, but uh, you know, if you do it in a private class, then it's terrible. Like it shouldn't happen either way, but, uh, you know, one way I'm liable, one way I'm not. So I'm willing to take different risks, you know, assume different risks, but, um, yeah, the, the only like written info I can find on it, like definitively is, is in the rope rescue manual from the fifth edition was the one I was referencing. Uh, it says, keep it low and independent all the time. But on the cover, it's got it through an Aztec kit. <laughs> like it's just, it that, mm-hmm. that'd be hard. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. You know how does a how does an end user square that? That's why I said it depends. Yeah, no, that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, you know I think that's in the appendix. The uh, you know the appendix F is it depends, but uh, um, and, and the and the it depends is funny because depending on who teaches the class, right? If you had a guy like you, Kelly, who says no, one high, one low, that's yeah. what you're going to teach your people. Sure, right? You come to another guy, he says no, they both need to go high. So it, it still goes back to how they learned, which is all we all have this problem is how we learn something. Sure. Absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, we're probably biased by that. Like, boy, I learned it this way. I've been doing it this way. I've never had any issues with this way. Like, I think I'm just going to keep doing it this way. So, and that's right. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe they're all fine. Like maybe they're all great because like, we're not, we're just not having those kind of issues. I don't know. Maybe we're having, like John said, we're having little issues and people are bearing them. I, I don't know. So, uh, but I think that's that's one important part, though, you know, when when we do go out and teach uh, and I think anyone that's that's actually out actively teaching hands on classes to be able to to lay out. Here's the options. Here's the pros and cons of each. Let's yeah. you know, help them figure out what works best for them in their situation. Uh, Doug, that's that really, critical. I, I think it really is the best way, like, uh, you know, because maybe you're just not comfortable with one way versus the other. You know, you just don't mm-hmm. like it. But yeah, give people the options, the, the pluses and minuses, and let them decide for themselves. Uh, and, you know, if they come to the correct conclusion, they'll say, put a one high, one low, as I do. But, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm biased, though, you know. Um, cool. Well, uh, man, that, that's all I have uh, written down in my notes. Does anybody have anything they want to add before we uh, wrap this thing up? No, I think it was a good discussion. Cool. I, I think so, too. I think in the end, uh, as much as I'm uh, remiss to say it, it, it depends. You know, do you, do you want high, lower through the Aztec? I, uh, Leroy was uh, succinct and right to the point at the beginning. I, we, we could have ended this at the two-minute mark. But, uh. Yeah. <laughs> one, one thing, I'm, I'm going to cram it in there anyway when we talk yeah, about go for it. Uh, different different ways to do it and and i i agree it depends and everything like that but so often as a trainer um depending on the the class and what you're doing whether it's a you know department singular department training and they want to know one way so that they can tell everybody how to do it and they can always do it that way and and leave out a little bit of flexibility whereas um in our in our our classes where you have people from hither and yon and they're they possibly have a higher motivation level or whatever it is that they want to know all the ways so that they can make those decisions. And sometimes that's what's frustrating to some people. We go, well, you could do it this way here. You could do it that way there. I think we show, I don't know, Wayne, correct me, four or five ways to pass a knot on lowering. Right. And yeah. people get really frustrated because they go, well, just show me one way. And it's like, well, this one's really cool, but it doesn't always work. Or this one doesn't take any equipment and this one's craftier or whatever it is you want. And um, that's where it sometimes comes out, too, is people want one way we're always going to do it this way. And then they, they've worked themselves into a box. And there's other people that spend more time either practicing it or training on it or they just have more missions or whatever it is. And sure. they, um, they want the flexibility and they can deal with it. Yeah, I guess it comes down to their level of, you know, how much they care about rope. You know, I if I took okay. a uh, building collapse class, I would want one way like just show me one like i don't want to i don't want to <laughs> swing this hammer more than i have to like please let's just get this over with and there's i, I know there's people like that on rope too they're they're uh, 
I get it, but, uh, but no, it, it is interesting. And, you know, an open enrollment class, uh, definitely presents a different, you know, group of people. Like some people are the, I don't care. And others are like, man, I want to, you know, I want to use my shoestring and dental floss to do what MacGyver did in episode 74, you know, like, <laughs> and he's trying, you try and please everybody and sometimes end up pleasing none of them. But, uh, now you give it a shot, but I think you're right. I think the options are the best and just, you know, talking about it through your head and seeing what works for your department. Again, for me, one high, one low and a down and down rope rescue. That's what we do. And it works for us. But, you know, you put us out on the, you know, cliffs of, uh, like whatever in Wisconsin and we're going to do terribly, but, uh, we'll, we'll do it while we look good though. <laughs> no, <I don't>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll take you out. Th- we'll take you out there when we took out John in the beginning of March when a northeaster is blowing in. I'm it's busy kind that of special day. being on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of special. It's, no. it's, uh, yeah, it's lovely this time of year like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, a forty I'll, mile an hour wind coming across the lake and uh, sandblasting your face as you look over the edge. Yeah, it's, I got to change the ice and my ice cube trays that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Got to floss my piranha's teeth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> One of the things that goes along with that, you know, here, here there's five of us talking that might be considered to be rope geeks by a lot of people. And I'm sure that a lot of our listening audience are that way. But hopefully some of them that are listening, um, hopefully they understand what we're talking about. But hopefully they'll go back and say, hey, that's something to think about because I hadn't heard it the other way. Or I never thought about that way because they were trained for one way and they may find out there's a better way to go about it. So uh, but nothing else. That's one of the values of these things is, well, you have rope nerds or whatever. Um, the audience may not all be that way. And I don't mean to insult anybody one way or another, but hopefully they'll take this information and cause them to go back and think about the way they do things and, and, and adapt or change. Or maybe they're, they can feel good about themselves and say, yeah, we're doing it that way. That's great. <clears throat> Absolutely. Are you saying that the answer of that, oh, that that that's the way we've always done it is not an acceptable reason to continue to do it that way? What's this heresy? I'm not heresy. saying that you're doing it the wrong way. I'm just saying make sure you're thinking about it because <laughs> since you learned that way, there may be some alter alterations on this thing. We've talked about that on other podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, uh, very true. And I think with with all of it, like test it for yourself. It's not hard to set up these tests it just you know once you see you know what you're kind of looking for then uh you know you can you know go ahead and test and try to see what results you get again I, like i'm you know i've been staring at it for 15 years but i, I think i'm going to test this long rope between the anchor and the vortex through an aztec and see what comes up but yeah just test it like don't don't take anybody's word for it don't take our word for it go out and do it for yourself prove it to yourself i think that's the the best way to see it so uh, anybody else have any uh, last minute things they want to uh, add in there? I do not. All right. Well, for uh, Doug, Leroy, Wayne, John, and myself, uh, thank you for listening to Belay High Low or Through an Aztec with an Arizona Vortex. And uh, we appreciate your time, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Kelly.